0: Hello. Hi. Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. What are we going to talk about today?
1: So it's just about November, Mm -hmm. and we are going to throw a new challenge out there.
0: And this challenge is called No Shit November. (laughs) Yeah. So this was something that we were just feeling like we needed was a good clean month. Yeah. Tighten up the diet. Take out any of those little extra, you know, shitty food, processed food things here and there. Yeah. Go a month without alcohol. We figured November seems like a good time.
1: Mm-hmm. Last year when we did the Grit Grind, it was like over, like for us anyways, it was over Halloween, it was over Thanksgiving, and we didn't miss out on those things, but we didn't do the full thing. This year we did participate, and so we've gone from you know Thanksgiving in October, December we've got Christmas coming up, so we figure like there's not a lot going on in November. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those months where there's not a lot of Christmas parties happening yet. Usually, even the holiday and November is Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. And that is not about getting together and having a big meal and having treats and stuff. It's more about, you know, recognizing that people did some very difficult things. Mm -hmm. Any CrossFit gym you go to is probably doing some sort of hero workout on that day. So we figured let's extend that mentality for the whole month. Let's try to do something challenging in the month of November.
0: Mm -hmm. And then we thought like... Why I keep that to ourselves? Yeah. Might as well just open it up to the whole community. Let's do this thing together. I feel like there's probably always lots of us that are like, ah, eh, yeah, I could stand to tighten things up and challenge myself a little bit more on the nutrition side here. So yeah, we're really just going to try to eat real food. Yeah. <laughs> and that question, what is what does that mean? What is real food? Shouldn't be as complicated as it is. Mm-hmm. The processed food companies have been very successful in muddying the waters so that people these days, humans that have been feeding ourselves successfully for a few million years, all of a sudden are like, I don't know what to eat. Mm -hmm. What's what's food? Yeah. And there's so many mixed messages and stuff out there.
1: Yeah. It turns out Captain Crunch is not actually real (laughs) food. Not actually food. Go figure.
0: There's a lot of (laughs) Edible food like substances out there.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that are part of a balanced breakfast, but it's like the the balance is all the other (laughs) stuff, and then you just happen to have a sugary bowl of crap along with it. I don't Um, know
0: what we're balancing there exactly, but. uh,
1: So, okay, we're just super simple. The easiest way to look at this thing is you're going to eat single ingredient items. mm -hmm. So, If there's no list of ingredients, if you just pick it up and this is an apple or this is a carrot or this is chicken or steak or rice or whatever, like single ingredient, you're probably good to go.
0: Mm -hmm. That's, I think how you could make this challenge. If you want to consider it challenging, the simplest, the least cognitive effort is like you just fill your grocery cart with single ingredient items and then you know, you're good to go. What that requires then the effort on your part is preparing and cooking those ingredients into meals at home. Yeah. Um, But that's fine. And really from a cost savings perspective, if you take out a few of those, like, Nights in a restaurant or nights where you hit skip the dishes or even just like hit the drive thru at Wendy's mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like you just buy a chicken at the grocery store for ten or twelve bucks or whatever they are. That's yeah. what you pay for like a burger at Wendy's these yeah. days. So
1: And Costco still has their like <coughs> whatever six ninety
0: nine full chickens <laughs> that they
1: continue to do. Yeah. And you can't go to a fast food restaurant for six ninety nine. There's just nothing. Yeah. You know? So There's definitely a lot of options as far as just single ingredient cost saving stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, if it has one ingredient, you're, you're probably definitely in the clear. So
0: then you don't have to question anything. Mm -hmm. Other things you might choose to put in your cart then are going to require you to start to read ingredient lists on things. Right. That's another part of this challenge is start to just pay attention to what are you eating and what is in the things that you're eating. Yeah. And this is where that question of, is this food starts to get a little bit more complicated. So there's a a handout that goes along with this. This was actually something I made for the kids camp to try to help the kids identify what's food. But honestly, the kids are kind of at the mercy of whatever the parents are buying because kids aren't out there doing the grocery shopping. So first big question to ask yourself is why was this made, Mm -hmm. right? Is this a commercial product designed to maximize profit? Then that's probably not a real food. The processed food companies, they only care about using the cheapest ingredients With the longest shelf life and getting you hooked on hyper palatable flavors to get you to buy more. Right. Nutrition or your health is not part of that equation. And I tell people this all the time. So when I I have a an undergrad and a master's in marketing and finance, which is how to sell things and make money. And a huge part of that education revolves around food marketing because it's Mm -hmm. one of the places where marketing makes the biggest difference because people make so many food purchase decisions. And if you can influence even 5% of those, you can pick up lots of profit for the company. But the problem with food companies is they call it the problem of the fixed stomach. There's only so many people. Population grows at a predictable rate. People only eat so much. So the share of the market is constrained. So then the food companies are always just fighting each other. There's no way to grow the whole pie to you know have more profit in a different area. So they the only way they can make more money is to steal market share from someone else, mm-hmm. to use cheaper ingredients, or to get people to eat more. Right. And so fixing the problem of the fixed stomach is their purposeful design of the foods to turn off your natural satiety mechanisms that would make you just stop eating because you've had enough, yeah. which I think we can see that that is playing out fairly successfully. They're doing <laughs> a very good job. They're doing a very good They're job. killing it. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So then does this thing have spiffy packaging with lots of bold marketing claims? Because if it's made of shitty cheap ingredients, they need to fancy it up and try to trick you into thinking mm-hmm. that this is you know, good food or whatever. So aggressive marketing is par for the course yeah. with ultra processed foods. If you look at an apple, it has like a sticker on it with a code and that's it. Or yeah. like the salmon is just the UPC code. Like they don't come with, a, they don't need to come with a lot of fancy marketing
1: or massive advertising campaigns. You yeah. Know? Like when have you ever heard of a recent new actual food that's been discovered
0: and <laughs> yeah. a
1: huge marketing campaign around it. New and exciting egg. It's just Your like, no, kids. that's, that's just, we've always had that stuff in our diet. So
0: And there's some marketing from like the egg board and the dairy board and stuff. Just because they're
1: trying to stay above water (laughs) when they're (laughs) they're trying to just hold on with all these people buying processed food.
0: Yeah. So be suspicious of marketing gobbledygook, like natural, organic, Mm -hmm. high protein, low in saturated fat, low sodium, whole grain, high fiber, and then especially heart healthy. Yeah. That's almost certainly going to be an ultra processed food. So you think, why was this made? If it's a profit oriented item, it's probably an ultra processed food. How was this made? Could this be made in my own kitchen? So there's sometimes people that are very disingenuous. Go well, cooking is a form of processing, and you know grinding something up is a form of processing. So we can't just say all processed foods are bad. Okay, fine. (laughs) That's obviously that's a bad actor, and you know someone trying to have that debate. In order to solve that differentiation, back in 2009, some researchers came up with something called the Nova Food Classification System. And there's four levels, class one, two, three, four. Class four foods are ultra processed foods, UPFs. So that's a a thing with a specific definition now. And then the class one, two, and three foods are like a class one food is like a raw carrot, like no processing required to it whatsoever. And then there can be things that are like fermented, dried, cooked, roasted, boiled, mashed, ground, levels of food processing but in the way that people have been cooking Mm -hmm. naturally for hundreds of thousands of years since we learned to control fire like 1.8 million years ago
1: and a lot of the foods you have to process them like you can't eat raw chicken you have to cook it and that's the processing to make it a a stage two yeah you can't eat
0: a raw potato it's toxic like those kinds of things so there's definitely a difference between processing of food in the sense of like cooking or preserving naturally and ultra processed foods. There's a right. clear differentiation between those two things. Processing a food you can do in your kitchen. So you can juice a lemon. You could, I could give you olives and you could get olive oil out of that. You would just cold press them. You're literally just juicing olives. Mm-hmm. I could give you wheat and you could grind it up. Like, so there's things that you can do in your own kitchen. I could give you cabbage and you could ferment it into sauerkraut. Ask Wade. He'll yeah. Have a basement full of it <laughs> before too long. So if you can do it in your own kitchen, that's not an ultra processed food. But if it's something that requires industrial chemicals or industrial equipment to make it, then that's an ultra processed food. So I could give you canola seeds, which a canola is not a naturally occurring plant. You could not get canola oil out of it. You couldn't make canola oil. You would need industrial hexane extraction and bleaching and deodorizing and all these like crazy levels of turning seeds into edible oils, Mm -hmm. edible oils.
1: So unless you live in a factory that <laughs> <Yeah. uses laughs> full of canola, industrial chemicals, you probably can't do it in your house.
0: So it's an ultra processed food. How is this made? So you think what has been done to the ingredients? If they've been refined, if they've been heated to extreme, if they've been solvent extracted, bleached, pulverized, or otherwise made unrecognizable from their original form, then this is probably an ultra processed food. Right. So some questions you're starting to ask yourself when you're looking at the labels on things, does it have a label with an ingredient list? Mm-hmm. Well, now we're like, if it does, there's a higher probability, although not 100%, that this is an ultra-processed food. Right. So the things we said before, steak, salmon, chicken, apple, those things don't have an ingredient list. They just are food. Does it have more than five ingredients? You're like, oh, okay, this is like a red flag. Ultra-processed foods tend to be novel concoctions of dozens of different ingredients, many of which you cannot even pronounce and you right. don't know what they are. Yeah. So some of the first, the three major things that you've heard me talk about lots before. Flour. All flour, but especially bleached and fortified flour is a clear sign that this is an ultra processed food. Flour is like one of those, like the three horsemen of ultra processing and flour is one. Mm -hmm. Um, Does it contain added sugar? So sugar that's been refined out of its natural plant form, probably from beets or cane. Um, But on food labels, it goes by at least 56 different names. So there's 56, yeah. There's sugar. But then there's also other things like high fructose corn syrup, cane syrup, maltodextrin, agave nectar, molasses, barley malt, fruit juice concentrate. Those are all Mm -hmm. other names for sugar.
1: And they do that to sneak it in and make you think that you don't have any added sugar, right?
0: But what's super cool about Canada now, Canada changed its labeling laws recently. And you'll notice now that it will say sugars Mm. and they have to be grouped together in one. And now all those things are in brackets as one because they used to get away with this chicanery where they would <laughs> use multiple types of sugar in different amounts and they would be able to sprinkle them in throughout right. the ingredient. Cause ingredients are listed in for most, at least right. most amount to smallest amount.
1: So if you have six different types of sugar in there, it could seem like there's not a lot of sugar when, if you group them all together, it's like the it's number the one first, ingredient. Yeah.
0: yeah. So welcome to a cliff bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now I had just posted on the keto athlete about cliff bars they sure market themselves like they're healthy. Yeah. The number one ingredient on those pieces of garbage is sugar. It's six different types of sugar. Yeah, I was on a rant about picking up trash at my kid's school, at Dash's school. The playground was just covered in packages from bars and shit. But it was like not candy bars. It wasn't mm. like Snickers, but it was all of these like Cliff bars and Cliff Energy and stuff. Yeah. People thinking they're packing, I guess, healthy snacks. The front of the package says "plant-based energy." Like
1: <laughs> my favorite is the the what? high high in energy because you're just like is, high in calories. That's literally
0: that's, they can't think of anything better to say than this is high in calories. Yeah, plant-based energy. So sugar, that's calories from sugar. All sugar comes from plants. That's, that's what, what our is. kids
1: need is much more high-energy foods. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, and then a handy rule of thumb. This is I taught the kids this and I tell people all the time. If sugar is one of the first three ingredients, this is a dessert. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Vector cereal. Yeah. Sugar is one of the first three ingredients. That's not breakfast. That's dessert. Breakfast, dessert. (laughs) Breakfast, dessert. So that's also a handy rule of thumb. Uh, I was at Whole Foods in Victoria last weekend. We went there for dinner to pick up from their hot bar to try to eat real food on the road. And I was looking at one of the salads and they do list the ingredients. So it's like in the fresh food bar thing that you can pick up. One of the salads, the first ingredient was sugar. Oh, man. And I was like, look, I was with Jason and Val. I was like, this salad is a dessert. <laughs> <laughs> it was like peas and beets and stuff. But whatever dressing they had on it, that thing was literally more sugar than it was vegetables. That's gross. And I was like, that's gross. Yeah. Okay. So we got flour. We got sugar. The the third bad guy is seed oils. Yeah. Watch out for the hateful eight. I like Kate Shanahan calls them that. Sunflower oil, safflower, canola, corn, soybean, cottonseed, grapeseed, rice bran oil. If it contains one of those seed or bean oils, it is definitely an ultra-processed food. Right. I would say seed oils are like the definition of ultra-processing, how they go from seeds of plants to pure refined oil. Yep. I'll post a video of how that's made. It's really disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It is pretty gross. So those are the big three. Flour, sugar, vegetable oil, no-go. Now we get further down the ingredient list and you start to find these other weird things that right. you like can't pronounce. You're like, what is this? And mm-hmm. why is this in here? Emulsifiers or stabilizers. Food additive agents used to extend shelf life increases profitability by preventing the separation of ingredients. So it prevents like oils separating from solids. Keep an eye out for guar gum, gel gum, carrageenan, mono and diglycerides, cellulose, carboxymethyl cellulose, soy lecithin, xanthan gum, Phosphates, polyglycerol esters (PGEs), polysorbate 60, 65, and 80. Those are all the things that, when you start to read ingredient lists, you're like, "Why is this in my
1: food? Mm-hmm.
0: Like, what is this?"
1: And the good thing about this is that you don't have to remember a single one of those words. <laughs> you just have to go. You'll recognize. You'll nope. see something and and know a word and be like, "I have no idea what this is." Yeah, and that's you're not like, hey, food. That's not <laughs> going to be going in. That's that's out.
0: Nope. But to learn more about these things, so what we thought would be cool in conjunction with no shit November was to do this like a book club. Yeah. So you and I both read this book a little while ago. It's called ultra process people. Um, great book. Yeah, It was good. I've read dozens of books on nutrition and about food and the food industry and all kinds of stuff This is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Well written, very well researched, but very easy to understand unfolds like a story. So we're going to do that along with trying to tune up the diet. Yeah.
1: And the the good thing about that book is that it's not a diet book. Mm -hmm. It doesn't tell you at all what to eat. It just explains what all these different additives are, Mm -hmm. where they come from, what they do. So it kind of gives you a little bit more understanding of what you're actually putting into your body. Mm -hmm. And he actually does a, a hilarious thing in the book where He recommends that while you're reading the book, you eat as much ultra processed food as possible (laughs) so that you can like at the end of it be like, oh, shit, that was not ideal. (laughs) We're kind of doing the opposite, which is probably a better a better way of doing it. Um, Yeah, it's it's a great read.
0: Yeah. He thinks you should get yourself so grossed out. It's sort of like. To make yourself quit smoking, you yeah. should lock yourself in a closet and smoke eight <laughs> packs in one day. That's kind of how he approaches <laughs> it. It's like, he eats almost nothing but ultra-processed food for a yeah. month and then observes just how he's a doctor and yeah. he has all the medical tests and everything and observes how much his health declines and everything. So yeah, he's pretty funny about it. But the nice thing is it's 304 pages. It's yeah. okay, divided by 30 days. All we got to do is read 10 pages a day. Yeah, So we'll break that down into little chunks. And well, before you know it, you'll be through the whole book by the end of the month. And so in addition to have tuned up your own diet, you'll have way more understanding about what those things are when you flip something over and read yeah. the ingredient label. Essential knowledge to navigate your way through the world these days. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The whole point of this is to do something challenging, but to learn something as well. Mm-hmm. And whenever I do these types of things, I like to jump. I like go full send. Mm-hmm. I always like to like really jump in with both feet. So I've decided as part of my like no shit November, I'm also gonna do like a mental health kind of break and I'm going to get off of social media scrolling. It's not that I'll never use Instagram for the gym or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I spend way more time than I need to just mindlessly scrolling through YouTube or Reddit or Instagram or whatever. When you could've read 10 pages of a book. Yeah, (laughs) and so, and that's just it. If you are like, well, I don't have time to read 10 pages. Like, well, how much time do you spend just looking at your phone, probably mm-hmm. useless cat pictures and stupid stuff like that. <laughs> I'm sure you can scrape together 10 to 20 minutes every day to spend some time learning and mm. making yourself a better person. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it doesn't have to include that, but we want you to read the book and we want you to understand a little bit more about this topic. Mm-hmm.
0: So the book itself, I have two copies. So I'd said the first two people that threw their name in the hat for No Shit November can borrow one of my two copies. Just give it back when you're done. I looked, Saskatoon Public Library has a couple in stock and then they have their e-reader thing where you can borrow the ebook version on their app from them. You can also download it on Kindle. I read everything on my Kindle. Yeah. So then I just always have it on my phone. So then if I find myself on an airplane or in a waiting room or something where I would otherwise just flip my phone out and scroll nonsense, I try to open a book and just read a few pages of a book at a time. Yeah. And then I like to keep my notes and highlights and everything all organized in one place. Yeah.
1: And we've we've already read this book, but we're going to do it again yeah. as part of this. We're going to reread it, re-read it yeah. just to stay together.
0: Yeah. So so this was a quote from, it's actually page 20, right early on in the book. You'll be reading this on day two. Usually the aim of ultra-processed foods is to replace the ingredients of a traditional and much-loved food with cheaper alternatives and additives that extend shelf life, facilitate centralized distribution, and it turns out drive excess consumption pies, fried chicken, pizza, butter, pancake mix, pastries, gravies, mayonnaise, all these things began as real food, but the non-ultra-processed food versions are expensive, so their traditional ingredients are often replaced with cheap, sometimes entirely synthetic alternatives. So something right. like butter became margarine made out of hydrogenated vegetable oils, cottonseed oil originally that was a byproduct of the cotton manufacturing industry. Cottonseed oil was originally used as like an engine lubricant and then they were like, "Hey, how can we figure out how to feed this to people?" <laughs> <laughs> let's tell them it's heart healthy. Let's start there. So I think it's important to remember that a lot of the things you identify as ultra processed foods, you could make a real version right. in your own kitchen if you're willing to just do a little bit of work, which is what people had to do forever and ever to survive. So this shouldn't be like an outlandishly ridiculous <laughs> demand yeah. on our, our skills. So something like bread. Every loaf of bread you're going to find in the grocery store is an ultra-processed food. They're all going to contain humectants and stabilizers and sugar and all kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that you can't eat bread. It just means that none of that is bread. Right? None of that is what your great-grandma on the farm making bread would recognize. She would look at the ingredient and be like, what is all this shit in here? This isn't how you make bread. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I did with the kids at the kids' camp was we i bought wheat like wheat berries from bulk barn just went and bought wheat about like a 20 or 30 dollar little grinder from amazon and we ground the wheat into our own flour and made a very simple little yogurt dough and made our own flatbreads yeah and they were great the kids loved them they were, they were really tasty, tasty. we yep. put garlic butter on them we had them with uh, souvlaki and lemon rice and stuff yeah and they were super delicious so Things like this where it's, I'm not saying you can't eat bread. I'm just saying that that shit is not bread. Yep. If you want to eat it, you're going to have to put in a little more work to do it yourself.
1: A lot of people will make themselves sourdough. That's mm-hmm. like a, a big thing. And it's just one extra step yeah. of going and, and getting some wheat and grinding it yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because people like that, so inconvenient. But it's like so many coffee aficionados mm-hmm. will grind their own beans every day. <laughs> yeah. And if you just have the right tools for the job, it's not that big of a deal, yeah. right? So if that bread is one of your things and you really want to still do that, you can make some pretty awesome homemade bread. Mm -hmm. And that's a great practice of like actually seeing what goes into the making of your
0: food. Mm -hmm. You can, there's bread making machines that will do that whole thing for you. If you really wanted to just invest in the, like you said, the right tools, they will grind the flour and rise the dough and make, you know, in their own little machine, there's all kinds of nifty stuff. So yeah, I think it's just getting a little closer back to the real deal. Yeah.
1: And if all of that sounds like a nightmare for you, and just take it easy on yourself. Just, just eat single ingredients.
0: <laughs> you can
1: single. have a month without bread. It's yeah, fine. You'll be okay.
0: Eggs and steak and salmon and vegetables, then it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just see how good you could feel without those things. So keeping in mind some of the questions we would need to ask ourselves when we're now like this weirdo in the grocery store reading the ingredient label on everything, we thought we would take a look at some common items. Yeah. So if we're like, hey, we're going to try not to make this elaborately <laughs> like expensive or demanding on our time, Let's think of some simple things. So currently in our freezer right now, we have two packages. They're each three pounds of ground beef. There's Italian sausage fresh in the meat section at Costco that is just pork and spices. It has no wheat crumbs or anything weird in it. So there's three pounds of ground beef cooked with a pound of Italian sausage. And it's Mm. just like in a thing ready to go.
1: And the other thing from Costco that we use is just a super basic tomato sauce. And Mm -hmm. we actually have one of those.
0: So here you are, up. you're in Costco and you're like, I'm going to read the ingredients.
1: If you look at all of these ingredients, they're all just normal foods. It in, this sauce has Italian whole peeled tomatoes, mm-hmm. olive oil, onions, salt, garlic, basil, black pepper, and oregano. So you could make this on your own. Mm-hmm. It's so just easier if you have a jar that's ready to go. Mm-hmm. But the key is to look at it because a lot of the time you'll go to buy a tomato sauce and there'll be like canola oil or some sort of sweetener or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you just have to like, check the ingredients.
0: Don't look on the front. No. Look on the side in the tiny print.
1: It does say no artificial ingredients. So good for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is correct. So could this be made in my own kitchen? Yeah, absolutely. Is this made of ingredients that I recognize and I have or could buy in my own kitchen? Yes. So has anything weird been done to these ingredients? No, you could have, you could have made that tomato sauce in a pot on your stove and just canned it and saved it for later. Yeah. So there are commercially prepared items that are not ultra processed foods. They can save you some steps. Yeah,
1: and it's so convenient because you have your meat precooked and you can have your like prep day or whatever and Mm -hmm. you just make a whole bunch of stuff and just freeze it and have it ready to go. And then you can throw this in a slow cooker or a stock Mm -hmm. crock pot and it's ready to go like when you get home from work Mm -hmm. or it's just, it can be super fast and convenient.
0: Yeah, so I did that like a few days ago mass cooked like a whole bunch of meat at a time a bunch of stuff is like semi prepped yeah so when we're busy or when i'm out of town you can grab the cooked meat out of the freezer throw it in the pot throw the sauce on and like 15 minutes later like dinner's ready Mm -hmm. in that 15 minutes maybe you're shredding some zucchini to serve it with or cooking some rice or something like that
1: so and that's just it this doesn't have to go with pasta right Mm -hmm. like you can have it with rice on the side or you can just put it all over vegetables and that's great as well Mm -hmm. so you just have to think yeah plan ahead
0: Another thing we like, Costco actually has a lot of great stuff. I'm going to (laughs) like rep, they should sponsor me. I should get one of those Kirkland hoodies. should, yeah. Kirkland Signature, because I feel like I could be sponsored by Costco. They have burgers in the freezer section that are just sirloin beef. Mm -hmm. Nothing else in them. No wheat crumbs, no canola oil, no other fillers, not even any spices or anything. They're literally just beef. And it's like a 24 pack or something like that. It's pretty
1: big. Pretty big. A tube of burgers.
0: (laughs) A tube of burgers are like a third pound each, I think. We cook them all at once. We barbecue them all, put cheese on them, and then we just have them in the fridge for like easy lunches for the kids or like breakfast sometimes. I like a burger and a fried egg is awesome. We can think outside a little bit of the norm. Dinner, a couple of burger patties, little bit of sauerkraut, some pickles, some mustard, you know, you can make like a really tasty meal out of that. Mm-hmm. We can free ourselves from the bun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just a burger doesn't have to only be served in a bun. There's lots of different ways that you can yeah. make that an easy, good quality protein thing.
1: I remember the last time we did one of these challenge, I was looking for something different to eat and I just cooked up a couple of those burger patties. I cut up some little cherry tomatoes, put some of the bufala mozzarella cheese on it and a little mm-hmm. bit of like balsamic vinegar and like some basil or basil or however you say it. And it was like a caprese burger and it was awesome, you <laughs> yeah. know, and no bun needed. It's just a fork and knife just as if it was a salad, right? It yeah. was, it was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. So you can get a little more creative with those things. And rather than cooking like four for dinner or six at a time, we just cook them all yeah. at once. If the barbecue's going, we're doing some dinner and some meal prep for the next couple of days. Yeah.
1: I think a, a big mistake that a lot of people make is they they consider certain foods to only be applicable to certain times of the day, Uh you know? Like breakfast, it tends to be like some sort of like bacon and eggs or a cereal or something like that. Uh And then lunch tends to be sandwich all everything sandwich and then dinner it's where you have your like stir fries and your steaks and your whatever Mm -hmm. and the easiest thing you can do is make more than you need in the evening Mm -hmm. and then for your lunch the next day you have leftovers because it's just one last step it's already ready to go it's super convenient it's as convenient or more than a sandwich and Mm -hmm. still good
0: yeah so if we start to think meal by meal so breakfast instead of being ultra processed granolas and cereals and toast and that kind of stuff well the classic egg yep (laughs) Put unsweetened yogurt with a little bit of berries and maybe some almonds on the side or instead of orange juice, just eat the orange mm. in its whole form. It doesn't have to be juiced and minus the pulp and yep. things like that. I love ground beef and then crack the eggs on top and cook it all together with like sour cream and salsa, like an egg taco bowl thing. Yeah, I do that quite a bit. So switch out some of those foods and then lunchtime, instead of everything needing to be between two pieces of bread, mm. <laughs> which is fine if you make the bread yourself, but yeah, start to free yourself from the sandwich we send lunch for Dash every day now that he's at his new school, got his little thermos yeah, and he almost always just gets leftovers of whatever the other night was. So chicken or salmon or meatballs or little cheeseburger bites or taco bowls.
1: Yeah. He's all about the taco bowl. So just rice and taco spiced ground beef and a little bit of cheese and good to go. Cheese is actually one of those ones that we should touch on because a block of cheese is just cheese. But if you get the shredded stuff, which is I totally understand way more convenient. <laughs> yeah. They have to keep it from sticking to it. So, so they, they put, what is it in there?
0: It's like an anti caking agent. Yeah. So it'll have, when you look at the ingredients of shredded cheese, it'll be different than if you looked at the block of marble cheese, right? marble cheese is just going to be dairy ingredients and the microbial mm-hmm. enzymes and maybe like lactic acid that that's how you would just make cheese. The shredded stuff is going to have some extra other like corn starchy type things or anti-caking agents, other chemical names for things. We'll be like, why is this in my cheese? Yeah. It's because... If you took the brick of cheese and shredded it and left it in your kitchen, it starts to clump back together. So they have to put anti-clumping and caking agents in it to keep it shredded apart. So unfortunately, you're going to have to shred your own cheese. Yeah. That's, you know, if you've been coming to swall class, you got those <laughs> strong arms now. you got that against yeah. you your arm pumped. You can shred your own cheese. Yeah, that's what we're training for. <laughs> <laughs> On your abs. <laughs> <coughs> that one got me. <laughs> So some simple Mm. swaps, like that kind of thing. And then I think if we're just reading ingredient labels, you'll start to notice that the same food, it appears to be the same food on the front of the label, is actually one is food and one is an ultra processed food. Right. So a sour cream. So this is the one. Obviously, we like the full fat stuff. You're not going to fuck around with that reduced (laughs) fat shit. Here's the ingredients. Milk ingredients, bacterial culture, microbial enzyme. This is food. There's one on the shelf at the co-op right next to it. Same Bye.
1: fat percentage. Same. It looks pretty much like it's the same product.
0: It's even the same kind of brownish goldish color on it. Dairyland 18% sour cream. The ingredients on that one are milk ingredients, modified cornstarch, guar gum, sodium citrate, carrageenan, disodium phosphate, and bacterial culture. Yep. And you're like, why? Why yeah. does all that shit need to be in my sour cream when all I needed was milk and the bacteria to to make it sour? So one is a processed food cause it's been fermented. And the other one is an ultra processed food cause it's full of all these other emulsifiers and stabilizers and stuff that did not need to be in there. This yeah. stuff is delicious. And
1: I would like, I say taste wise, they're the same, but texture wise, the one with the additives, it's like a little creamier and that's why they add that stuff. Right. So yeah. it's easier to maneuver. But when I use sour cream, I just put it and mush it all around anyway. So yeah. it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Save yourself those extra weird additives.
0: Yeah. How about the classic peanut butter?
1: Oh man. Learning about like fake peanut butter <laughs> is so discouraging. I'm a big peanut butter fan.
0: Yeah. I, who isn't really? Yeah. Okay. So craft only peanuts. This is the crunchy version. What are the ingredients? Peanuts. hundred percent select roasted peanuts. Okay. One cool. ingredient. So it's processed to the extent that the peanuts have been roasted and then ground up. The, the normal peanut butter I hesitate to call it the normal one, the regular mainstream one.
1: The jiffy garbage.
0: (laughs) Well, it's still Kraft. Kraft smooth, Mm. the regular stuff. The ingredients on this one are select roasted peanuts, soybean oil, sugars, two different kinds, hydrogenated vegetable oil, awesome, cottonseed and rapeseed oil, salt, and mono and diglycerides. You're like, what? Like, Why does peanut butter that's already delicious by itself need to be adulterated, with one, two, three different types of seed oils, two types of sugar, and mono and diglycerides. Yeah. It basically became icing sugar, peanut-flavored icing. Yeah.
1: And I remember when I made the switch from traditional peanut butter to, like, actual natural che- peanut butter, there was definitely a bit of a, oh, it's not as good, but you just have to get over that little hump because they're they're designing that peanut butter in a way to make you want it and make mm-hmm. it more desirable and sweeter and... You just don't need that. You can easily transfer over to a a natural peanut butter, and it's great.
0: And yes, the oil separates, and you have to stir it. But that's why you guys work out. I'm not sure what those strong arms are for if it's not to stir this peanut butter. (laughs) Hot tip, if you put it in the cupboard upside down, when you go to take the lid off and open the new jar, it's easier to stir. If the oil's on the bottom and not the hard stuff on the bottom. Pro Pro tip. Okay, so hot sauces. Frank's Red Hot, classic. Ingredients are? Aged cayenne red peppers, vinegar, water, salt, garlic powder. All food. It's food. You yep. could make that in your kitchen. This other knockoff sriacha that I bought.
1: Because there's a shortage right now. There's
0: a shortage. And I didn't look at the ingredients before I bought this. Pimento jalapenos, vinegar, water, sugar, salt, garlic, xanthan gum, sodium benzoate, potassium sorbate. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so guar gums and emulsifier. And then a couple. And so is xanthan gums. a like thickener. And a couple of preservatives that didn't need to be in there. It yeah. could have just been peppers and vinegar and water and garlic and yeah. salt. It would have been fine.
1: Yeah, you look at things like mustard and it's just like vinegar and spices. And yeah, that's it. vinegar, mustard, water. You look at things water. like ketchup and there's sugar and whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're going to have to give up some things that you probably enjoy, but that's fine. It's just for a little bit.
0: Yeah, just do the experiment of just see how good you could feel if you only ate real food for a month. Yeah, There's a, a few aspects, one of the big ones there is your gut microbiome. Right. That's like the frontier physiology and especially the nutrition related stuff right now. We don't really know what exactly is up down there, but like something very complex. The microbial density of the human gut is one of the highest microbial densities of any places on earth, including like rainforest soil, Right. which I think is like a fun fact. There's some people that think that the bacteria may have evolved us to just cart them around, that we are just an elaborate meat suitcase to carry bacteria around, <laughs> which is kind of a fun way to think about it.
1: Is, isn't there more bacterial cells in the human body than there are human cells? Yep, yeah. you
0: are more bacteria than you are person. That's, that's so creepy. So, And they're doing all kinds of stuff down there. They're creating, synthesizing short-chain fatty acids. They're sending neurotransmitters. They're making vitamins. They're communicating to the brain. The gut is made of neural tissue. There's all kinds of very complex things. Lots of research relating gut dysbiosis to not just like chronic disease, of course, but like anxiety and Mm -hmm. depression and development of Alzheimer's and all sorts of things going on. So a big part of taking out these emulsifiers, stabilizers, artificial sweeteners, those things has to do with restoring the gut microbiome.
1: Do you remember the the, like old school... Ninja Turtles cartoon, Krang the Brain, <laughs> and he was just this like yeah, brain funny. in a stomach, yeah. and he has a little suit that would do all the stuff for him. Mm. That's totally what we are. We're mm. just, you know, this little, yep. little crang mm. in our stomach telling us what to do. <laughs> <Like>
0: pretty much. <laughs> and people kind of know that. We use things like, oh, I had a gut feeling, and we understand that a lot of mm. our, our feelings or our emotions are not necessarily centered in our brains. Yeah. We kind of have ways in our language that we that we talk about that oh butterflies in my stomach and mm-hmm. you know your emotions and how your gut feels are very much overlapping. Yeah. And there's lots of things in the modern world that are very very terrible for the gut microbiome. Alcohol? Yeah. yeah. It's a big one, unfortunately, very terrible. Antibiotics as much as we need them to save lives sometimes are horrendous for the gut microbiome. So overuse of antibiotics, overexposure or the use of antibiotics when they're necessary but without any Um, protocol after to restore the gut microbiome with like probiotics or fermented foods or anything like that we just you know drop napalm (laughs) down there and then don't do anything to to fix it after so part of it is removing the things out of the the diet that are directly harmful to the gut microbiome and then adding back in all these natural foods that are like our fermented dairy products or sauerkraut or cooked and cooled rice and potatoes resistant starch and those things feeds the good bugs and all that sort of stuff so as much as a healthy diet is about what you do eat. It's also very much about what you don't right. eat. Both sides of those are very important.
1: So the whole thing with all of this is just making some smart swaps, right? Like mm-hmm. trying to find the things that don't have any of these weird preservatives and ingredients that you don't want to eat. Again, keep it simple. <coughs> Single ingredient items are usually pretty good. Yeah. Start reading some labels. Another one we forgot to mention that we use all the time for Dash especially, and this mm-hmm. is great for any of the like real bread people out there, are these like corn tortilla wraps? Mm-hmm. So these are the ones, they're manis that are available at Co op and at Sobe's, I, I believe. they're yeah, at most of the grocery stores. These ones, though, the ingredients are water, white corn flour, cellulose gum, guar gum, propionic acid, <sighs> and a whole bunch of other stuff. There's 10 more ingredients, and I don't know what any of these words are. So these ones,
0: not ta- food. Not food.
1: <laughs> but then these ones, which are right next to them at Sobe's, these ones are Casa Bonita. Same thing. They're corn tortillas, and the ingredients in this one is stone ground corn mass, water, fumaric acid, and a trace of lime and salt. Mm-hmm. So way better.
0: Yeah, so fumaric acid's related to citric acid, like comes from limes and stuff. So that would be one of those naturally occurring food preservatives that people have been using for a long time, like yeah. um, citric acid, acids and salts and that kind of stuff that helped preserve color and flavor of food for longer. So yeah, that, and this is why... I've, I have such a beef with macro counting. I just think counting macros is so stupid because both of these things have a hundred calories. They have the same macronutrient content, the same fat, the same carbohydrates, the same amount of protein, but one is a chemical shitstorm of ultra-processed food and one is real food. Yeah. And we only know that not by looking at the nutrition facts, but by looking at the ingredients. Right. What is this? What is in it? What has been done to it? Yeah. You know, is this how Grandma at Casa Bonita would have actually made tortillas, <laughs> and would she be looking at propionic acid, benzoic acid, phosphoric acid, cornstarch, sodium propionate, xanthan gum, amylase, methyl paraben, propyl paraben, calcium hydroxide? Going, what the f is all that, yeah. and why does it need to be in a tortilla? It doesn't. Yeah, you know? and
1: we did a cooking class once, and we made <clears throat> corn mass, yeah. tortillas, and they're super easy. It was literally like the corn stuff and water, and you yeah. just mix it together and flatten it out. And- grill it
0: which is how people in south america have been making tortillas forever yeah. and ever yeah
1: and it's so easy it's so convenient everybody loves tacos mm-hmm. i mean who doesn't love tacos right so if you have a hard time and you love sandwiches then just do tacos for the, mm-hmm. the month
0: yeah we've i think talked about this before where we think tacos are the ultimate travel food yeah <laughs> because we'll take all these little things we bought a big griddle actually mm-hmm. cheese which we now have to shred ourselves with our shredded abs yep. taco spice ground beef fold them into a little thing. Cheese as I always teach the kids, cheese is food glue. Mm-hmm. So it holds them together. We fry them in ghee. They're amazing, crispy, delicious, meaty, cheesy little things. They're like totally handheld. Stuff the cheese keeps it together. It's not all falling out of it everywhere. And yeah. we'll take like sacks of them on airplanes yeah. and stuff
1: with us. And whenever we ask Dash what he wants for lunch, his number one answer is always tacos. Tacos 100% we, of the time, yeah. <laughs> we do it once or twice a week and then the rest of the time we're letting him have Mm -hmm. just leftovers but
0: you can do it with like eggs for breakfast tacos you can do chicken in there you can do pulled pork like you can mix it up too
1: yeah all kinds of good stuff
0: yeah and then okay so ideally we're eating single ingredient items we're cooking at home survival guide for when you're not in that situation and trust me i get it i've spent a third of this year sleeping not in my own bed so i understand the struggle of trying to keep it together on the road Almost everything in a restaurant is going to be covered in seed oils. Yeah. (laughs) So in a regular restaurant, steak and vegetables is usually your best bet. Ask that they're cooked in butter and not oil. Yeah. Probably going to be doing okay there.
1: A lot of restaurants will sell like a half chicken or something as well. Things to be careful of are the meats with a lot of sauces and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you would think ribs would be good, but the barbecue sauce is probably full of sugar and all kinds of other stuff.
0: Yeah. So best bet, steak and veggies, ask for butter. Yeah. If you're in like a pub place, burger, no bun. And if they have like a fried egg or avocado, add that on there too. Cheese, yeah. probably fine. Obviously, you don't have control or full knowledge of what exactly they put in the burger and did it have breadcrumbs in it or something. But like you're doing the best you can mm-hmm. with what you got. Obviously, you skip the fries. Never, ever, ever eat fries Yeah. unless you made them yourself.
1: And the mistake that we used to make years ago when we were trying to switch to the lower carb thing is we would have deep fried food not realizing mm-hmm. how bad the seed oils were yeah and every restaurant uses canola oil or some variation of a yeah. seed oil to do their deep frying so unfortunately you can't have wings or any of that kind of stuff either mm-hmm. but if you like that type of stuff you can do it at home Costco Mm -hmm. has wings that they sell, and the only ingredients is chicken wings. There's nothing in
0: it. They're just frozen chicken wings. We throw
1: them in our air fryer, and the kids go crazy for
0: them. Yeah, they're great. That's another easy weeknight thing. Yeah, they go from frozen in the air fryer to cooked and crispy in thirty minutes. Yeah, throw a little salt and pepper on there. Little little franks. Franks on there. Easy dinner. Yeah. Anything out of the deep fryer in a restaurant is, like you said, going to be seed oils. Those polyunsaturated fatty acids that they're made from the omega-6 are highly unstable, vulnerable to oxidation at high heat. And those oils in the restaurant fryers are heated repeatedly for yep. probably days at a time, seven days or more before they change out the oil, which creates a plethora of these toxic aldehydes that basically create the same type of chemical toxicity in your body as smoking. Mm-hmm. So you want to Google something horrifying, Google toxic aldehydes. aldehydes. Yep. Malcolm Gladwell has a great podcast called McDonald's broke my heart. Oh yeah. An episode of revisionist history all about when McDonald's switched from using beef tallow, which is more saturated fat, more stable at high heat to using vegetable oils, which is a misnomer. There's no vegetables involved (laughs) in the mid nineties and made the fries way more toxic and way less tasty. They're just way more bland and oily and they're not the same. So if you want to eat fries, that's fine. You just make them at home with beef tallow Yeah, and they're amazing. Yeah. We
1: had, hash browns this morning mm-hmm. we you just cut up a potato mm-hmm.
0: and you kind of like pre-boiled it
1: and then you cooked it in beef tallow and yep. they're amazing
0: yep beef tallow you can either get from pig and pantry downtown or you can buy just frozen beef suet and you just render it yourself so all that means is you melt it down and there'll be a few little crumbly bits in there and you just scoop them off and then what you've got left is yep. beef tallow amazing and
1: Because beef tallow is super stable, you can reuse it.
0: Yeah, you can heat it and cool it more than once, unlike the vegetable oils. Okay, so, sorry, we got a little off track. We were on survival guide of we're away from home. Mm -hmm. Restaurant, steak and vegetables. Yep. Pub food, burger, no bun, add an egg or avocado if you can
1: salad dressings no go
0: no go skip the coleslaw no salad dressings no fries if you can do like raw veggies or something they can do like carrots and celery or something on the side for you sure yeah or you can just make it like more carnivore and just focus on the the burger and maybe an egg or something i was in the i don't know where toronto airport a little while ago no food with me i'm unprepared a i've set myself up (laughs) (laughs) poorly here to start with but i was like i'm hungry In the little airport newsstand thing, just wall-to-wall ultra-processed food. And just fancy packaging and even the healthy ones are still all just garbage ultra-processed foods. Except I found those two little hard-boiled eggs (laughs) that come in the package together. Some dill pickles, those little dilly bite things. And I found some beef sticks, so kind of like beef jerky, but they didn't have sugar in them or anything. Right. So I was like, all right, there we go. Eggs, pickles, for sure, fine. I would need to go back and double check the ingredients on the beef sticks to make sure there wasn't anything else crazy in there, but that's fine. And I'm, it's going to tide me over. I'm going to have some protein and some salts, a little pickles, a little vegetable in there, yeah. drink some water. I'd be fine. Yeah. If I could not find a single real food item, then I can just fast. Yeah. And that's fine. Like I don't have to eat just cause food is there or just cause I'm slightly hungry. Like you should have the ability to comfortably go 24 hours between meals and not die and not have an emergency. Like you'll be fine. You can sit with a little bit of discomfort and be like, "Eh, I'm hungry. But again, stay calm. (laughs) It's a bit like doing Tabata assault bike sprints to be like, this is uncomfortable, but like, you're not going to die. You don't need to panic about it. You should be able to go from dinner one day to like dinner the next day. Yeah. Without having access to food and you'll be okay. Yeah. And if you literally cannot, if you're like getting shaky and lightheaded and foggy or, Having like stress-related symptoms like anger, like you're lashing out at people and you can't control your emotions, that's a mega red flag that your metabolism is seriously fucked up and you need to do some work here to fix that. So
1: this thing is for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't let that go by unnoticed because that's a huge warning sign that you're like on a bad path, but still within the realm of you can fix it. Sure. Bring that back in.
1: Yeah, I think often people go to the grocery store and just grab some convenience food thinking Mm -hmm. it's better than fast food. But even in a grocery store, like they still... Ultra process their foods. They're like sushi. Will have sugar added to the to the rice Mm -hmm. and the sauces and stuff are going to deep fried shrimp. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's not any better than going to a fast food restaurant just because it's in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. So you have to start looking at ingredient lists. You know what was a a tough one that I just realized? Those ready to go rice bags. Mm -hmm. You just throw them in the microwave for ninety seconds. I always thought those were just fine and then I finally read the ingredient list and like no there's canola oil in
0: In all of them except for one I found yeah that's a coconut flavored rice that uses coconut oil oh there you go I've but I've spent my time in like superstore in somewhere whatever city I was in because I when I travel which I do almost every other weekend I try my best I try to hit a grocery store instead of a restaurant whenever I can but Mm -hmm. I, I want something I can just microwave in a hotel room and I'm like okay like single serving items I'm like sitting there reading 27 different packages of (laughs) rice and going, seriously, none of these are food. They all have shit added to them. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be like this? I just wanted to eat a little bit of rice.
1: Yeah. The best thing you can do is just cook at home, Mm -hmm. plan ahead, get yourself a little dash thermos, (laughs) put your leftovers in there, and you've got your lunch. You're good to go. Yeah.
0: So we did this experiment one time from the parking lot, like by where Canadian Tire is. There's a Burger King and a Sobeys. Mm -hmm. And we're like, let's time this you went through the drive-thru and I ran into Sobies and got like a chicken and an apple and an avocado or something like a whole roasted chicken. And I was out and done faster than you could get through the drive-thru at yeah. lunchtime. So
1: especially at lunchtime.
0: Yeah. Don't come at me that it takes too long. I don't have time. Bullshit. Yeah. Same. It took less time. You got better food for, like we were saying, basically less cost with fast food is not cheap these days either. Yeah. In order to make that possible though, I, one of the things I always, always, always have on me is plastic cutlery in my little travel bag, my backpack with me all the time. I always have a knife and fork yeah, so that if I'm picking up something like a roasted chicken instead of a burger or something I can eat with my hands, I always have cutlery with me for sure. And then I do, when I travel, I always have a little collapsible Tupperware so that if I buy like a chicken or something the night before at the grocery store, I can bring part of it to the seminar the next day with me for lunch. Yeah, I always have try to be a little bit prepared with those things. Okay, so we're looking forward to a good month. Tighten yeah. it up. I really would like this to be the kind of thing that everybody, as the whole community, is doing slash thinking about. Yeah,
1: and the way it's going to work is, you'll have a online course available, mm-hmm. and you sign up for the course. It's free. We're mm-hmm. not charging anything. You just sign up and put your name out there. Yeah, and you just have to like, did I do it or did I not do it? Yeah, every day.
0: And you're trying, obviously the goal is 30 out of 30. You should be able to go 30 days without needing any shit food. But if even that thought of like, I have to go a whole month without sugar or without a drink gives you some anxiety, sit with that feeling for a little bit and think about how maybe Mm -hmm. you've gotten yourself into addiction type territory. And that's a serious thing that could be addressed. And let's start to work towards just better. Yeah. If you have not gone a single day in the last month without ultra processed food or alcohol, even one day in the next month would be a win. Yep. And if maybe you had one day a week in the next month, that'd be an even better win. And if you had every other day without alcohol or ultra processed foods, like we're getting better, right? So yeah. if you're going from zero days without that stuff in your diet to some, that's an improvement. Yeah. If you're pretty good and you eat mostly well and don't drink that much and you take it to like, you just have 30 perfect days in a row. Awesome. We'll do a little draw for a prize at the end for anyone that can go 30 out of 30, but yeah, I guess it does progress, not perfection, but perfection would be cool. Aim as high as you can.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't let it be that you get five days in and then fall off and something happens on day six and they're like, ah, fuck it. (laughs) Just get back on (laughs) it. Right. Do as many of these days as you can. It's supposed to be challenging. So challenge yourself in a new way. Mm -hmm. Just see how it feels.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing I really enjoy. What happens if I do this? Nothing that I try. I have the expectation of it being permanent. Yeah. But I like to try and just see. I don't like the idea of being hooked on anything that I don't need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I get to the point where I'm like, I need coffee in the morning, guess what I'm doing next? Yeah. Fucking no coffee for 30 days, that's for sure. If I'm I, like, I need to eat bread, well, guess what I'm doing is I'm going no bread for 30 days. I do not like being beholden to these things. If I yeah. need a drink, I need, or, you know, I hate cold water. <laughs> Ugh. So I've been trying to challenge myself to do the cold plunge thing, and yeah. it can just suck. For like three minutes and I won't die. It'll yep, be fine. You know? Sure. So like pushing ourselves to just deal with a little bit of discomfort. And I think that's the the type of person that gravitates towards doing CrossFit. Yeah. There, we're the people that are the willing. We're willing to do the hard thing. We're willing to work at high intensity. We're willing to address our nutrition and try better and not drink all the time. And, you know, do those things and go to bed when we should. And just like you find that CrossFitters are generally the kind of people that tend to do well in their careers as well and be able to maintain functional relationships in their lives and you know like they're invested in their kids and they just do all these things that like take effort and yeah. are hard and they're just willing to do the thing
1: yeah here's so, one more thing to do
0: here's one more thing to do and let's do it together because that's always more fun way better book club no shit no shit November see you in November